Welcome to CII Radio. I'm Molly Birchall, Communications Executive for the Chartered Insurance Institute. In this episode, I'll be talking to Tom Hegarty and Gideon Fansale. In this episode of the podcast, we are talking about apprenticeships in the insurance and financial planning professions and how they can benefit both firms and their employees for National Apprenticeship Week. We are joined by Tom Hegarty, Chair of the Financial Planning Trailblazer Group and Director at MNG Wealth, and Gideon Fansale, Compliance and Regulatory Development Consultant at Zurich and former participant for a senior insurance professional apprenticeship program. Here is my conversation with Tom and Gideon. Hi, Tom and Gideon. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Good afternoon. Hi, Molly. Hi. Gideon, um, if we could start with you, could you tell us about your experience as an apprentice and how it helped your career development? Yes, no problem at all. Um, so I must start by saying that when I started the whole program, I was really upset that I had to do the apprenticeship because I thought that I could just do the advanced diploma in chartered insurance uh, through the Chartered Insurance Institute. And uh, then I was told I had to do the apprenticeship. And I'm actually glad to say that I was totally wrong in not wanting to do the apprenticeship. While it is a level six apprenticeship, so it is a lot of work, it has prepared me much better for my day-to-day activities and for my role. And the main benefit I had was the link between the technical knowledge, which I achieved through the Chartered Insurance Institute and being able to explain the knowledge that I've acquired. And that's where the apprenticeship um, added so much value. It also allowed me to meet many interesting people and to be able to to see a, a much wider picture of the business than I would have seen if it hadn't been for the apprenticeship. And when um, I was encouraged to do it, um, it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Thank you. That's really insightful. Um, thank you for sharing that with us. Tom, could you tell us um, about the benefits in using apprenticeships for recruiting and developing talent? Uh, yeah, sure. I think, well, t- to start off with, and certainly in uh, fin- in the financial services sector, uh, there has been an issue for some time now, which is that the number of advisors within the sector has reduced gradually over the last few decades. So in the 1980s, sort of mid-1980s, there were around or over 200,000 financial advisors uh, in the sector, and it, that number has now dropped to around 30,000 today. Um, there's a number of reasons for this, which I, I won't go into, mainly to do with sort of regulation and increasing costs to be an advisor, but it, it has caused issues around the accessibility and affordability of financial advice to consumers. Some people refer to this as the advice gap, um, and in order to fill that advice gap, there's a couple of things that need to happen. One is that we need to recruit more financial advisors um, to increase the supply of advice, and we also need to uh, see the emergence of new advice advice models, which could offer alternative solutions to clients, which are likely to be seen through the development of technology, for example, that can complement the various different advice services that are offered. Now, um, in order to grow the number of advisors, then, there's a couple of ways that 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 can be done. 
large businesses, large financial advice businesses tend to run their own academies uh, and train and develop new uh, talent, new advisors for the future themselves. Um, but the majority of those trainees will probably stay within those businesses that have trained them. Um, but what we also need to see, in addition to those academies and new advisors, new talent coming into the sector, we need to give or have the option available for smaller businesses also to recruit, train and develop their own talent as well, who don't have access to academies or large training companies, uh, which could be costly for them to use. So this is where uh, apprenticeships could be a great mechanism to, to help. Um, now, the whole, the whole policy around apprenticeships has been updated in the last few years. Um, and for around five or six years now, there have been um, apprenticeship programs available for financial advice and power planning and a range of other uh, areas in the sector as well. Um, it's a devolved policy apprenticeships, of course. So mainly those specific ones has, have only been available in England rather than Scotland, Northern Ireland uh, and Wales. But I think some work, work is being done to widen that in those other areas. So basically with apprenticeships, a small financial advice business could recruit um, a trainee, put them onto an apprenticeship programme in financial advice or power planning. Uh, the majority of those costs are paid for by the government with a small contribution coming from that advice business. Um, so that apprentice would need to be employed by that business. Uh, they'd need to be paid a wage. And then around 80% of their time will be spent working within that business. Um, but around 20% uh, of their time would be spent on learning and development on the actual apprenticeship program. So that's why it's a great way for um, advice businesses to be able to recruit and develop their trainee advisors through uh, apprenticeships. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. And as chair of the Financial Planning Trailblazer Group, could you tell us more about the work the group does? Yeah, of course. Um, well, the, the apprenticeship programmes that exist at the moment, that, as I referred to a moment ago, they're effectively um, a syllabus for financial planning and para planning um, for those career paths. Then they're, uh, they're known as apprenticeship standards, which is effectively the the, the documentation of what that um, what that syllabus is and what's required for each of those job roles. Now they need to be updated every few years, um, and so the ones that exist at the moment have been in place for yeah five or six years, and they now need to be updated. So what exists then is is a number of trailblazer groups of which this one I'm chair of for the financial planning and power planning, and that trailblazer group consists of a number of uh, employers within the advice sector, um, professional bodies and endpoint assessment organisations. And work is done within those groups to update the details of the standard. So what that means is looking carefully at the elements of the professions, defining what they are, defining what the actual career path uh, is as well, and documenting the characteristics of the professions, and then going through the knowledge, skill, uh, and behavioural competencies that are required for each of those roles, uh, going through the training plan that's required, how the apprentice would be assessed, uh, the duration of the apprenticeship and the funding band. So a whole range of work that's done through uh, that group. And yeah, my role of, of chair is to um, obviously oversee 
that whole updating of the standard all the way through to completion. Thank you, Tom. That's really interesting. And sticking with you just for a moment as well, what are some of the key areas uh, of good practice for employers um, when taking on an apprentice in the insurance and financial planning professions? Well, for, for employers, um, I think there's, a, there's, a, there's always a few challenges from employers around the ability to recruit people um, into their businesses. That, that ranges from recruiting the right person, training them, and then keeping them in their businesses as well. So a few things that really there. One, one would be, first of all, in terms of recruiting the right person. Um, so the employer needs to not just go for the aptitude of the individual, but also look at their attitude as well. So the capability and the skill set of that individual to be able to learn and, you know, understand those those roles. In terms of financial planning uh, and para planning, there are, well, financial planning specifically, I'd say there's kind of four main skill areas that uh, an advisor needs to look for. It's the, the capability of technical knowledge, uh, adhering to the regulatory requirements around uh, ethics and dealing with clients. The business acumen, so being able to build and develop a good business uh, practice. And of course, the main one probably would be around interpersonal skills for financial advisors, um, obviously dealing with clients and dealing with money, which is a quite a taboo subject. So yeah, interpersonal skills are really important. So for an employer to pick the right person, recruitment is really, really quite you know paramount importance to look for the right person. Um, and then it's about supporting that individual, developing them, motivating them, coaching them, encouraging them. And it, it's not simply just because there's an apprenticeship that exists for that, for that employer to just put somebody onto the apprenticeship and assume that the training provider who runs the apprenticeship will be able to just you know take that um, individual and train them and, and do everything on behalf of the employer. That's not the case. The employer should be absolutely, um, you know, supporting and developing uh, the apprentice at the same time as the training that's being being done. So um, the advice I would give to any employer is, you know, pick the right person, do all you can to support them, uh, motivate them, review that regular list, see how things are going on the uh, apprenticeship, treat them well, pay them well. Uh, so they don't want to leave and go somewhere else. And then I'd, I'd also say to make sure they keep them on the um, apprenticeship program all the way through and right to the end of the program. Um, not just, you know, there is there is a little bit of a, an idea that some some employers have to take somebody off the apprenticeship once they've completed the exams, but that would be the wrong thing to do um, in terms of the additional uh, skills and behaviours that that apprentice would would learn throughout the remaining part of the apprenticeship, but it's also to support the sector in making sure that we see as many completions as possible, so that the apprenticeship uh, in financial planning, you know, stays in place for uh, for a long period of time. Brilliant, thank you, Tom. And moving over to you, Gideon. From your perspective, what can employers do to attract apprentices? Okay, so. When it comes to attracting apprentices, from my perspective, there are two elements. The first one is that the employers should know who they want to attract. So the employers need to decide um, 
which areas of the business do I see developing and changing a lot? And which individuals do I want to place in those areas to effectively grow with it from the start until they are fully competent and able to do the job to the best of their ability? So you need to find out who you want to attract. The second important bit then is to promote apprenticeships. And that goes for both external and internal promotions. When it comes to the external promotions, that would be, um, for example, going to schools and telling them more about it and letting them know that an apprenticeship is more than, than just a practical manual qualification. One of the big issues I had that I never knew about was the range of different apprenticeships available and the fact that it covers everything from an entry-level level qualification to a master's degree. And you just need to be, to be made aware of these issues. And that's particularly important for your, for your internal promotion as well. And it, it, it again links to what I just said. I wasn't aware of the range and the fact that I could do a full-time professional job while still doing a full-time or a professional qualification. And the qualification has helped me so much, as I said earlier, just in, in becoming more aware of the opportunities, but also being able to use it in my day-to-day -day role. So just to summarize, uh, you need to know where you're going and what you want to do, and then you need to promote it both externally and internally. And the, the best thing of, of it all is everybody grows and you become a better business as a result. Amazing. Thank you. Gideon, how important is ongoing support for employers and the team around you? Yes. So um, as we've said a few times now, there is, is, it's, uh, there's quite a time commitment involved. And as Tom mentioned earlier, it's up to 20% of the job learning. So the first bit of support that was great was from my manager who allowed me, first of all, to actually take that 20% um, that, that I had to do for my personal development and to plan around me. So we, when it came to managing my workload, for example, there had been continuous conversations to say, um, where are you in your apprenticeship? What are you doing at the moment? How can we help to help you? And that, that was invaluable. And that also, it's not only about the time management and the help there, but also about the fact that I knew that I had support. So if anything were to go wrong, I would have had the confidence and to, to just go to him and say, I am struggling with this. I need help. And what can we do? And because that, that whole relationship was built from the start on what, what my needs were and how I can, um, can improve through it. That was great. And then the next bit was just through my colleagues in general. So as part of the apprenticeship, and again, I also said it earlier, is that you have to showcase um, certain skills and behaviors. And while some of, some of them are reasonably straightforward, like um, sitting exams and passing them and showing that you have got the technical ability, other elements like showing how you how or to apply that ability is where my colleagues helped a lot. Um, for example, as one of my skills and behaviors, I needed to, to give a few presentations and I had to find a subject and somebody to present to. And in that regard, my the colleagues were there and said, okay, you can present to us what isn't a contentious subject that is also interesting that you can tell us about, but be aware that we are going to test you on what you've just said. So that then encouraged me to prepare the presentation to go and present to them. And then also just to get their feedback about what went well, what didn't. They didn't have to do that, but that they saw that by doing that, they could help my development and help me to build my portfolio to the required standard. And the final point I want to make here is that in a lot of instances, you have 
have the incentive. So I had to to build my portfolio. Uh, part of the business had the opportunity or something that I could help them with, but they didn't have the time. And just through the apprenticeship and by talking to people, I then found this business area. I could help them with their problems. So it, it was a double benefit. So I could build my portfolio and, and, and showcase my skills. They had the solution to a problem that's been bugging them for years. And so we both won. And in that regard, it was perfect for me. So you, we had the perfect combination between support from the managers, uh, managing my workload and input from the business to make me a better person. And for that, um, I, I've probably chosen the best company to work for. And I will stand by that. And the apprenticeship has been a great experience overall as a result. That's great. Thank you, Gideon, for sharing that. Uh, and then if I could pitch this to both of you, is there any final thoughts you'd like to share on apprenticeships or if there's any resources of information that you'd like to direct our listeners to? I, mean, I, I could quickly start on that. I think the, um, the, the so apprenticeships do currently exist for financial advice and power planning, um, but we are working at the moment, as I mentioned earlier, to revise the apprenticeship standard for those um, for those stand those standards. And what we're doing is actually we're going to be merging together the financial planning and power planning apprenticeships um, into one standard, where it's it's we have what's called a core and options approach, where roughly 80% of the content is very similar for both career uh, roles. Um, but then around 20% is tailored depending on which route the individual will take, whether financial planning or or power planning. So we're finalizing all of this at the moment. We should, in a few months' time, we should have that uh, new standard approved and released. Um, so hopefully there'll be more that people can see and look into online or hopefully in the trade press uh, as well. And for employers that are uh, that are interested in um, in finding out more, again, you can go online uh, and find apprenticeships and uh, training providers that can support these uh, online as well. Thank you. All I would say is don't be afraid to make the jump. If you have been thinking about it and it sounds like there's an opportunity, just go for it. It will definitely be worth your while. And as Tom say, if you just type search for financial services apprenticeships, you'd be amazed about the range of apprenticeships available. And the best thing of all is you know that you get a great experience, you learn a lot more, and it doesn't cost you as a person a cent. So I would definitely focus on that as well. Thank you, Tom and Gideon. Um, and thank you for joining us on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure having you with us. Thank you. Thank you for having us too. And thank you for listening to this episode of CII Radio. To find out more, visit thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts or follow us on Twitter at CII Group. Until next time, thank you for listening to CII Radio and goodbye.